the raise the bar. Raise the bar. Let's begin. 20, 22, 23. Raise the bar. The bar. Moni Pearson. And you, you are listening. Well, that's podcast. It's the Doodlebug. Wellness, philosophy, the culture. And snort laugh. Hey! <laughs> Pull out a record. Um, which is also known as LNG, I believe that's your stage name. Um, she's one of the founding members of the Baltimore Ceasefire that began in 2017, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Miss Latrice Gant, Latrice Gant, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy it's Friday, even though I'll be working all weekend long, but I'm I'm happy it's Friday. I'm telling you, I'm always working. I don't <laughs> even know what not working feels like, but I understand the season I'm in, so I respect it. I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, um, you know, I wanted to ask you, because I, I, I you know, listening to certain um, podcasts that you've done, um, I, I definitely understand the spirit of um, your organization that you um, it's it's uh, six founding members mm-hmm. in the um, Baltimore ceasefire. But I wanted to give listeners an opportunity in your own words to tell me, uh, um, you know, for people that are unaware of what the Baltimore ceasefire is, what that entails. What yeah. is that exactly? Absolutely. And I love telling this story. Um, <laughs> so back in. 2015, um, Erica Bridgeford and Kevin Beasley, aka Ogun, had a conversation because Ogun got inspired to call a ceasefire. So Ogun pays attention to international news and he said that whenever he hears the word ceasefire, especially as it pertains to like the what's going on in the Middle East, it makes him sit up and pay attention. Um, and Baltimore was in trouble because our murder rate just kept climbing. And so for him, he was like, I wonder what would happen if we called a ceasefire in Baltimore. He asked a couple of people. People were like, okay, that's cute. <laughs> that's real cute. Um, he asked Erica. Erica was like, definitely. And then life just happened to everybody. Um, the uprising happened uh, and just a lot of stuff was happening in and around Baltimore. Um, Erica has been doing peace work in Baltimore for a little over 20 years. Ogun has been engaged in community activism and community support and all advocacy um, for probably 15 years. It might be more than that. Um, And Erica's driving home with her adult son one day and Paul asks, okay, so Ma, did you know that we're on record as a city to have the highest number of murders like ever. And she was like, what are you talking about? And so they went in to a conversation about that. And she said when she went home, that something in her just got like mad, just like real mad. You know, all these people talking about what they can do in Baltimore, like they not doing enough to, to stop people from killing each other. And in her mind, because she's already doing the work, she felt justified in sitting in that place of judgment. But then later that night, she remembered her mom and her dad 
who actually intentionally conceived her with the the thought, the idea, the intention, and the notion that this baby right here is going to go change the world. Level next podcast. So she remembered it's that. She remembered the principles. Her dad is an ex-Panther. You know, if you see a problem in the world and it moves you, it's your responsibility to do something about it. Amen. She gets up the next day and was like... I don't think I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just chill. I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna say nothing about any. I'm not. I'm. I'm mad, but I ain't gonna say nothing to anybody. <laughs> um, but like it just kept bothering her, and because she had been doing peace work and advocacy for so long, and I think she said she started talking around like five months old, something like really weird. Wow. That she has language, she has a connection with spirit and ancestors. Um, and I've said to her plenty of times, nobody else in Baltimore City could have called a ceasefire and it happened this way. Mm. And so um, she and I had a conversation. She asked, um, Oh, Gong, did you, you still want to do the ceasefire thing? And he was like, Yeah, like I feel like the time is, is right. So she called on me. Um, Jakia Jones, Michelle Herring, um, and we had a conversation. It actually started, so the ceasefire started in a Facebook chat. Oh. The conversation about ceasefire started in a Facebook chat where she pulled us in and she was like, I have this idea about doing, initially it was called a life over death weekend oh. where people in Baltimore City would be so focused on celebrating life that we would do everything that we could to avoid death. Um, a few days later, she remembered Darnell, who is one of, like, Darnell and Ogun are amazing men and are classic examples of what a balance of healthy manhood are. Um, and so she brought Darnell into the fold. Um, we had a conversation about how whatever it is that we do, it can't be about us. It really has to be about the city and galvanizing people and entities in the city. It can't be about blaming the police. It can't be about what the mayor and the government isn't doing. It really is about building people's muscle. Individual people in Baltimore City building their muscle um, for us to save us and to remind us of our self-esteem. Because in this city, we've been told so many things, so many toxic things about ourselves for so long that we've come to believe those things. Level Next Podcast. It's the Doodlebug. You're listening to it. For my people, like a class with misdemeanor And a cycle fighting through the steady skin Melodrama, leading speeches, another brain I got a vision, I'm this pain They shot the leader, they be fiending They be fiending They be fiending Level next podcast It's the Doodlebug So um, fast forward to May 9th, 2017, we had a public meeting at the Baltimore Community Mediation Center. And at that meeting, about 
maybe 10 to 12 people showed up and we had a discussion. What are we going to call this? And at that meeting, we decided that we would call whatever it is that we're going to do the Baltimore ceasefire. Baltimore ceasefire, you hear that word, um, you hear those words and you hear, okay, nobody shoot anybody. But we were thinking, okay, but we need to get everybody in Baltimore involved. There's a small percentage of people in Baltimore City who are going around shooting people. The larger percentage of Baltimore City is not doing that. So how do we get those people involved so that they can take um, responsibility for the city? And that's where we came up with the Baltimore Peace Challenge. So you hear us talk about the ceasefire all the time because obviously we're prioritizing people putting guns down. But the Baltimore Peace Challenge, and it is a challenge to be peaceful because we live in a society that nurtures violence. We live in a society that believes that violence is power. And so it's in the DNA. Be right. Um, being peaceful for a lot of people is like, oh, that's that weak stuff. Like, we don't do that. But we want people to think about the ways that they manage and mismanage conflict. Conflict is normal. It's inevitable. You be around somebody long enough and y'all gonna end up in conflict with one another. We have um, gotten to the point in the city that conflict escalates to violence and that violence escalates to murder. And that's unnatural. Um, so we did a fundraiser where we were selling T-shirts. We told people we want flyers and posters idea that we want you to go. We don't want you to be able to go anywhere in Baltimore City without seeing a poster that's saying that we're going to have a ceasefire the first weekend in August 2017. Um, it took us about three months, um, two and a half months to get people to really start paying attention to us. And there's some posts on reddit.com that went viral. And when that post about Baltimore went viral, everybody started contacting us. What's this thing that y'all doing? Y'all doing something the first weekend in August? It's a, a ceasefire. Y'all don't want anybody to kill anybody for 72 hours. Like, what are y'all doing? Um, media started reaching out to us from international media. Um, so I tell people all the time, I did an interview with somebody who is in Portugal and the um, interview was in Portuguese. I don't read Portuguese. So I have absolutely no idea what that <laughs> right. is. Um, but the world started paying attention to Baltimore. You know, and of course you had naysayers. I get it. People have caused these fires before and you know, we nobody kill anybody for 72 hours. All right, so what they gonna do on Monday? Like people had all kinds of questions. This is a novel idea. Um, one of the things that we wanted to make sure that we did was encourage people to celebrate life. So we kept in that life over death concept, create events that affirm life. You don't need our permission to do it. The events can look like whatever you want them to look like. This is a self-determination movement. So you get to, to decide what peace looks like in Baltimore City. And so there were, I think, over 50 events that were planned that August ceasefire weekend. And at the time that we called a ceasefire, somebody was being murdered in Baltimore City on average once every 19 hours. So getting through a 72 hour weekend where nobody got killed. Like that was a tall order, but we were, and, and it made us think, okay, so what's going to happen 
if somebody happens to get killed during a ceasefire weekend because people were getting killed and they were numbers and they were stats. But like the city was was numb to a lot of what was happening. Um, so we decided as a movement that we would find the family, um, support the family the best way that we could and to offer them money and they can do whatever they want with the money. Um, fast forward to the first 24 hours of the August And everybody kept saying it. It was like, I don't, it's something about today that just feels different. And we got through the first 24 hours and collectively as a city, like we felt like that was, that was a big thing. It was something for us to celebrate. We're moving through Saturday, attending events, navigating events. And then um, I think it was around five o'clock that Saturday afternoon, we got a notification from the Baltimore City Police Department that Lamontre got killed. Um, none of us knew him. None of us had a connection with him. And I remember I was at a, a, um, a happy hour when I got the notification and I felt like my chest caved in. Because I was like, we were doing everything that we could so that we wouldn't get that call. Um, and then like three and a half hours later, we got another call that Dante, Dante Johnson had gotten killed. And it was hard for us not to feel defeated. But we were determined. We were like, okay, like we got through a whole day and a half you know, where nothing happened and people were celebrating and everything. And then the Sunday of the ceasefire, nobody got killed. Um, so 67 of 72 hours where people remained alive in Baltimore. Um, that was a win for us. And when we found Lamontre's family, um, we surrounded his family with love and support. One of the um, churches that um, supported ceasefire early in the beginning, Kingdom Life Church. They did his funeral for free. There's a place called Power Inside. Power Inside donated the funeral pl plots to the mom. And so I think she owns either three or four plus, so she can get buried next to her son um, because she said she didn't have money to bury her son. Um, so the next day, we had a public meeting at the community mediation center. And when I tell you, it was wall to wall people in here. Like people were like, all right, I see what you, cause Baltimore is, and it's a, it's a, it can be a good thing. And then it, it's sometimes not a good thing that we're a show me city. Cause you're not just gonna tell me anything. Like you gotta show me and demonstrate that you're actually able to do what you said that you were gonna do. And then I'll get behind you. And so we demonstrated and they were like, all right, we're going to get behind this movement. Um, and that's where Baltimore Ceasefire 365 comes from. Because initially, we were just going to do the one weekend. In my mind, I'm always extra thinking grand. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to do, we're going to do. Well, I mean, we pulled this off in three months. So what if we call the ceasefire every three months? And um, Erica was like, okay, all right. I think that's doable. So August, November, 
February and May. And when we realized that the ceasefire was going to happen in May, because all of the other ceasefires happened the first full weekend of the month. So that Friday, Saturday and Sunday, we were like, oh, it's in May. It shouldn't be the first weekend. It should be Mother's Day weekend. Because if we're going to try to save somebody's life, let's try to do it Mother's Day weekend. And so that ceasefire in May happens Mother's Day weekend. We also realized that um, moms, women in general, are very loud when we lose our loved ones. We scream to the top of our lungs because somebody won't hear me about me losing my baby. But we hadn't given a lot of thought and consideration to the dads and the uncles and the brothers who have lost their loved ones because men suffer in silence in a very, very different way. And so we ask people, if you're going to plan an event during ceasefire weekend, we encourage you to remember men and to create space for them so that they can feel loved on because, you know, they've lost loved ones as well. Um, The November ceasefire weekend happened to occur during daylight savings time. So we actually had 73 hours that we needed to get through instead of 72. (laughs) (laughs) We were like, okay. um, So the first um, November ceasefire weekend, we got to Friday into Saturday morning and Tony Mason was sitting in a car. He's a, um, he was a police officer. He was sitting in a car and somebody walked up on the car and shot the car up. And then something amazing happened because we hear about all of the people who get killed in Baltimore City. I can tell what's going on in the city by what the news is reporting. So when the news starts reporting people getting shot, I can tell that people aren't dying from getting shot. So the last 48 hours of that November ceasefire weekend, everybody in Baltimore put their guns down. Nobody got shot in the city. And that was amazing to us because the um, police, um, the, the the police media person, we had a relationship with him. He called us that Saturday and was like, I think they listening to y'all because we haven't gotten any reports that anybody got shot. And then that Sunday, he was like, OK, they definitely listening to y'all. We had six more days in November 2017 where nobody got killed. Fast forward to February 2018. Now remember, Lamontre lost his life during the August ceasefire weekend. That February 2018 ceasefire, the first day of that February ceasefire was his birthday. We had, starting that day, 11 and a half days in the city where nobody got killed. And it was the longest stretch of time that we had seen in Baltimore since 2014. And so the media, you know, everybody at first people were like, okay, nobody got killed. Like, that's cute. But then it was like, okay, it's been four days. Wait a minute. It's been five days. Oh, wait, wait. It's been seven days and nobody. So when Sadiq got killed on that 11 and a half day, we were just like, no. And we had conversations with his mom. We did a sacred space ritual. And she talked to us about how troubled her son was and how her son wasn't a bad kid. Like he had things that had happened to him that made him live the way that he did. And 
one of the things that has changed about my perspective since doing um, peace work is that people should have an opportunity to redeem themselves. There are some things that once you do them, you can't undo them, but everybody should have an opportunity to redeem themselves. And so if I do something, depending on the level of egregiousness, like it's not for you to decide whether or not I should be here anymore. Because once I'm not here anymore, I can't make amends at all. So um, the May 2018 ceasefire weekend, um, a child, something happened to a child, but we're not 100% sure. We don't think that it was homicide. It wasn't reported as a homicide. And the family is saying that it wasn't a homicide. So we're thinking that that Macy's Fire weekend, we got through that weekend with nobody being killed. Um, August 2018, we celebrated. Um, we got through all the way to that Sunday at seven o'clock and then we lost Kendall. Mm. And it was just devastating because we were on edge. And you know, by Sunday around five o'clock, you're like, okay, Ain't nothing happened to anybody. We can kind of relax. And then we got a notification about Kendall who got killed because one of his friends was murdered and the guy that killed his friend didn't believe that he wasn't going to retaliate. Just, and Kendall was just trying, I'm just trying to live my life, man. I don't want no problems with you. Um, And so we've been in these ceasefire cycles since 2017 have had major spiritual successes. So when we, when people get killed in Baltimore, we go to the space where the person was murdered. We declare the space sacred. Uh, we burn herbs, so frankincense and rosebuds and sage and have rose water and we pray over that space and we pour joy into that space so that murder is not the last memory in that space. Wow. Um, and it's a, it's a, I can't even describe the feeling of walking into a space where somebody lost their life and somebody else in the community sees us there with the smoke and asks us, can you smoke me out? I need a blessing. Mm-hmm. Like, I just give me, give me, give me, and <laughs> kids, black men, especially when they hold their arms out like that. Like it does something on the inside. And like we can't. So when people talk trash about the movement, I'm like, it's because y'all don't know that this stuff is happening. Word. Word. Um, we have evolved to a place where we are now able to um, recruit ambassadors. So we have about 60 ceasefire ambassadors who have been trained to represent the movement. Um, we have ceasefire schools. So there are schools in Baltimore City who are official ceasefire schools. So every ceasefire weekend, they host events and they build a culture of peace into the culture of their school. Um, We have ceasefire organizations. A fraternity just reached out to us about becoming an official ceasefire fraternity. Um, And so it is the slow, but intentional and purposeful incremental changes that are happening in the culture of Baltimore City. Um, on a spirit, on a spiritual side, like we understand that this is spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. 
we we get that like the spirit of murder has had its way in baltimore for very very long mm -hmm. and now there are different spirits rising up to say no you don't get to do this again um and that's a very that's a rough battle it's it's rough and one of the um the things that i'm most appreciative of is that if if that energy don't do anything else it reminds me of my light and how i gotta find if even when i feel like i ain't got it i gotta find i gotta dig deep and pull it out of me because this is part of my assignment i was i chose to come here to incarnate in this place at this time in this body for a specific purpose right. and so i'm i'm here and murder gonna get tired before i okay <laughs> <laughs> i know that's right you know i wanted to um i wanted to go back to something that um because i went to the freddie gray i went to demonstrate a demonstration for freddie gray back in 15 and I wasn't sure what to expect, but I knew that I was a part of like the numerous individuals in this country. I was, I was, I was deeply affected by that whole situation. Yeah. And I wanted to come to Baltimore to talk to people. I wanted to come to Baltimore to be supportive. I wanted yeah. to um, just be a part of the solution. I didn't know a lot. And yeah. I wanted to learn and I wanted to just help. Yeah. And, you know, I went up there and I saw so much community love in the space that I was in. And I saw a lot of trucks from press. I saw CNN. As a matter of fact, I saw <coughs> one of my homeboys from um, high school that was actually running a camera or something like that. But you know it was totally different than some of the pictures that were being painted mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. that whole situation and mm -hmm. the looting and destruction and different things like that and i'm out here looking at all these black people loving on one another right and children playing and different yeah. things like that and i was angry about that but then i heard something that you said in one of the podcasts that you did um previously i think it might have been 2019 it might have been before the uh, pandemic and all that good stuff and you said that the mayor is a person police are people you know i see a person you know i see people i don't see the title right that's exactly how i feel yeah um but i have had issue with press and the way mm -hmm. that we're the way that we are Mm -hmm. in the press obviously mm -hmm. and then the the structure we know this is by design right that's right that's right we know it's by design so that's right it's taken me time to actually get to the point where i'm like despite these booby traps despite the system and the way things have been designed we all have an individual opportunity to be a part of that solution because just That's like right. you said it's like this many people that are contributing to a problem you know um but there are even more people that want to contribute right. to the solution but they feel invisible yeah um often and i talked to a guy i actually have video footage of the guy that said you know 
there are so many people that think that we're out here being these hoodlums and they have such a false representation of us. And mm -hmm. I can tell how much it bothered him. He looked like he was about in his 50s or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, I really appreciated his perspective because that is part of the problem when right. it, and I and and I'm so appreciative and just you know I admire the work that you all are doing when it comes to trying to give us an identity give our people yes. an identity that they deserve to yes. understand that they are here yeah. and they have purpose and yeah. their fingerprints are supposed to be here for a reason that's right more than anything you mentioned the spiritual warfare, and you also mentioned conflict resolution. And those two things, when it comes <laughs> to us healing each other and healing right. ourselves, are two huge themes in my mind. So can you talk to me a little bit more about that and the like just some of the initiatives that you guys take to help people? Because one of the things that Erica said in the TED Talk that just touched me so much to my soul was just the fact that the she said something about the 10 minutes after someone murders a person. Right. right. I always think about why. Yeah. And there's so many people that don't think about why yeah. this is happening. Like they look yeah. at the actual reaction. They look at people like they're animals. That's they're right. in terrible conditions. Corner, like I always look like one great place that you could look at when it comes to just um, the lack of infrastructure. Um, we be uh, shining brighter than the suckers. Um, it's kind of like by the line of DC and um, Southern Maryland, mm -hmm. and all you see check cashing, liquor store, church. Rock that, that's right. Um, Rock that shit, homie. Just like that. Drop the beat. New music. Yo, stop running and use your head. First single on Infinity in a Shadow EP. Shadow Humans. Ladies and gentlemen. Bang, let's start the fucking show, eh? Okay, let's begin. One, go. <laughs> and and um, I feel like Mercury is in retrograde right now, so. Oh, man. <laughs> they say, like, now, Anderson, wait a minute, what's, what's my... It came out swinging on Wednesday, I think. I think it was Wednesday it came out swinging. I think... I just, I've, I've learned how to roll through Listen, a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> and and we, are we in, this is, are we in Taurus? We still in Taurus? We are, are we in Gemini season until uh, Gemini season starts around like 23, 23. Oh, yeah. Like, so this going to be. It's <laughs> See, I just love you because you talk exactly like I do when it comes to this, all this. Like, and, and I swear, once I started to actually put the connections in those different ways, yeah. it's just got a lot easier. Yeah. You're like, why is that? Why my car break down? Every, uh, you know what? And I promise you, so my significant other, he, we, we, we had <laughs> probably 10 years of uh, just trying to figure it out. That's what I'm going to call it. Um, the last few years or so have been more figuring it out well. 
I don't know what it is about Mercury retrograde, but we be on the verge of breaking up. And I'm like, oh, what is, okay, oh. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but I like we, today, I was like, I'm not, I, we, I'm, I'm a, not with you, we not doing this. And then I just, when I said it, I was like, oh, yeah. So we have to be extra careful. And he don't believe in any of that stuff. So when I say it, he'd be like, mm-hmm, just check your attitude. And I'm like, no, you check your attitude. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> it's so funny because like, I definitely, like I had always embraced the concept of meditation. Yeah. But in the last year, I have truly healed from a lot of yeah. through and understood my own time. Yeah. This process. Yeah. I started to meditate. And I absolutely don't know how I was surviving without listening. That's how I feel. About yeah. Yeah. Like breathing is such yeah. that we take for granted until we have issues yep. with it or cannot do it. Yep. But when I tell you deep breathing is one of those silent wonders that people have no idea yeah. can just help reset so many yeah. things about that baggage that we care. Come on, honey. Like Badu said. Come <laughs> on, honey. Bags down. Put them down. <laughs> you only realize you're carrying them. So many different people. Yeah. And I still struggle with it. Like I'm, the, the, you know how healing is an ongoing process. Right, right. As you continue to live life. That's right. You know, build perspective. But when I tell you that putting some of those bags down was some of the, it was one of the best things I could ever do. Yeah. So it is the, the um, 2020 opened up the door for me for a few things. One of them very specifically is minding my own business. Um, Cause I'm a busybody, and I'm always trying to help people and fix people. And I know you ain't asked before, but that <laughs> and accepting people as is, just like right. whatever whatever you walking through the door with, I'm not fighting with you about it. I'm not like, and and when I feel myself starting, to, I, but you could, I, I, mm, mm. that means you gotta go inside yourself. It's something going on with you. You might be avoiding yourself. You, but it's it is literally me focusing on other people and putting all my energy into them, and then being mad when I get hit with depression. Like, why am I? Why don't feel like getting up today? Why am I so irritable, girl? Because you're not minding your business. God said, "Mind your business." God said, "Mind your business." <laughs> Yours. You got a lot of business to censor, sis. Mind it. Man, listen, I remember I was working at NPR like back in 2012 uh -huh. and this one of my co-workers and he and, and I swear like I never heard the expression so it was funny to me. He was like, I ain't, don't worry about the log in my eye until you take the tree out of yours. And, <laughs> and when he said that, I was like, come on, somebody, let's go. <laughs> Because when you're working around nosy people and you just like, you, you good? Right. Right. But I wanted, I want, I had a question okay. for you though, because you mentioned the pandemic and I wanted to ask you, did you, do you have any thoughts about where you guys were in terms of the work when the pandemic happened? Because, you know, obviously our country is going through right. so much turmoil, so many different things yeah. are changing, happening and stuff like that, such as life. 
that's kind of how things um, go, especially as our country, right. the history of our country is concerned. But are there anything that you noticed about the pandemic and just the work that you've had to do since that particular shift happened in our country? So um, the pandemic, we know that it exposed dark and dirty and toxic places in our culture that we could get by with ignoring, but you know, like the, the, and because it slowed us down and it set us down, you almost had to go out of your way to ignore what was happening. And people use, and I appreciate the people who use the pandemic as an opportunity to really amplify and expose what was happening. So we know that, um, you know, children, some, some kids, the only time they were eating were when they were in school. And so when schools were closed, we had to do something about that. We found out that um, women and some men were being abused because they couldn't get out of the house during the day. So you got people in you know confines with one another all day long, every day. And so it exposed that. Um, I think that some people had an expectation that violence, gun violence specifically, that it would die down because we were in a pandemic. Um, you know, because people, oh, y'all got other stuff to worry about. Nope. It actually worse. went up um, yeah. because we're not dealing with roots. We're tending to the flower, the, the, the leaves that are hanging on the tip of the branches, but we're not dealing with the roots. And so when you don't deal with the roots of things, how healthy can a tree be? Absolutely. Like in real life. And so, um, and it tested our personal fortitude and our fortitude as a movement because it was really easy. And it's easy for some people to say, I mean, it's a pandemic outside. I'm not, you know, like we need to, I cannot, I'm gonna I'm focus on making sure that my family can eat. And that, that makes perfect sense to me. And um, I'm trying to, perseverance, it's not perseverance, obstinance is one of the values of the movement. So no matter what, no matter what we come up against, um, we noticed that around November, every year we get exhausted so just like as a core group it's something about building up all the way and then november we're like okay um we need a reset and we thought that it was on an individual level and so we until we started talking i'm like okay you exhausted too you okay you spiritually worn out too okay you frustrate okay um but it also gave us space to um to breathe and reflect so a lot of things have happened. Um, we adapted, you know, moved events to virtual, which is a whole now a whole nother level of um, emotional and mental exhaustion. Um, people think, oh, was it, was it more difficult? It was a lot more difficult. Huh? It was a it was taxing in a different kind of way. So event organizing is taxing regardless. But you think. Oh, people just doing Zoom. Like, that's not, okay. And so it's 50 people doing Zoom. And you're trying to figure out all of that. And then 
engage because there's a so I know from um, and I'm sure that you know there's a certain amount of our own personal energy that we pull from when we host when we interview like it's a you, because because you need to keep people engaged and you need to keep people excited about what it is that you're talking about and you don't realize how empty that cup is and so at, you're like okay i did seven interviews and i like i just i can't do anymore um watching everybody um just be just be tired and be worn out um but also you know because we didn't stop we recruited a lot of ambassadors during the pandemic that got us up to having 60 ambassadors and so you know we we adapted we shifted um we retired we rested we came back so we went through the gamut of the experience as a movement my personal goal as a co-organizer for ceasefire is that there's going to be a day where we don't have to call ceasefire anymore any we, like that's not a thing in baltimore we'll be able to amplify the peace challenge part of it so just challenging everybody to be peaceful um and I look forward to that. And we can't get to that if we stop. You just like, you can't get to that day. Um, we can pause. And sometimes some pauses are longer than others. But you know, the, the work has to be done. And if we don't do it, we meaning Baltimore as a collective. Absolutely. Yeah. I I have a question about because we were talking about, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about spiritual warfare, mm -hmm. um, and that's something that's been a very big theme for me in the sense and, and why I'm more um, like officially drifting into the mental health wellness, whole wellness yeah. um, place when it comes to black people and what we need to do yeah. to get that as a normal behavior yeah. and habits because we understand physical pain right we understand that if we cut our leg we need to go get a band-aid we need to get that peroxide right we using to try to clean that wound we don't understand the energy cleansing and the, right. the mental healing that is so necessary because of the actual machine that is created for us to be in this particular right. state vulnerable and and under the 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 the, the um fold of power structure right. um so my question to you is um how do you feel about religion and the way our community i just watched i didn't just watch it um <laughs> a couple months ago i watched this um special on amazon called contradiction a question of christian i don't know if it was the word question in it but it was contradiction something about christianity mm -hmm. And it was talking about how, in, in summary, it basically was just covering how a lot of super religious people haven't even really internalized the Bible, even if they've read some of the scriptures, right. they can't really tell you right. where they are with certain specific questions that you would think someone this religious right. should know, right. right? 
So how do you, what are your views on, like, I don't, I, and I definitely don't want to overstep anything that you don't want to talk about and that sort of thing. But at the same time, I am curious to know how you feel about religion, because I think we're very aligned right. on that when it comes to viewpoints. I grew up as a Baptist Christian. Mm -hmm. My grandfather was a pastor. Mm -hmm. But as I continue to expand my mind and my knowledge and my understanding of where that intersects with our I don't even know a word to use. I'll just say slow us down. Yeah. How do you feel about those particular things and how they affect us when it comes to delivering the messages that need to be delivered to people? Um, so I think a few a few different ways about it. One, um, and all of these are and, so this, this is not either or, that um, religion, all kinds of religion, um, when it is used with its core and highest intention is it, they can um, be used as tools to help to elevate people because all <laughs> all roads point to the source facts um facts. <clears throat> i think that people um should be acutely aware that practices have been manipulated and so you're not dealing with a pure practice you're dealing with a manipulated practice and being aware of that um and connecting with spirit source whatever you call it so that you can discern what is actually for your benefit and what is being used to manipulate level next podcast um, it's I think the that doodle there is you're listening to a um a twist on our human desire to commune with one another and to feel like we're a part of a group and a community i feel like re religion has been misused in that way and that it can disempower people to think for themselves, to think logically, to think rationally. I understand the contradiction in, but if you think logically, then does that mean that you have faith? Like, I understand that conundrum. And at the same time, I feel like, and I'm going to use the word God, God wants us in and, and not or. Fact. Um, I think that because so I think that there are opportunities for us to develop rituals that help to feed us from religion, you know, watching and learning all of the different things. But I also know that there is way too much temptation for our egos and religion. And mine is better than yours. What are you doing? The God you pray to, not like the God I pray to. When Listen, you have more than one God, and, and your your God is female, girl. Mm -mm. Like it's it's way too much opportunity for ego to set in when. And I don't get to speak for other people. For me, religion is about relationship and connection to source. Facts. So if okay. it's about relationship and connection to source. 
do I really give a damn how you got there? Like, do I, Fair. like, am I, when, like, when I really sit and think about it, like, do I care? If, if the, if you're nurturing your relationship and it's, you're, you're striving for whatever the highest form of that connection is, I don't care that it looked like this versus look, I don't care. Now, I don't want, I don't want anybody to be lied to you. But I don't, I don't, I really don't care how you, how you got there as long as it's rooted in truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing, knowing what it is that we're looking at. So the organization of religion itself, the part of religion that is organized um, and that's connected to capitalism and that's distorted. Mm-hmm. For us to really understand what we looking at, mm-hmm. like on a, a like you, your, whatever your spiritual vision is, for you really to understand what it is that you're looking at, so that you're not manipulated, so that you're not used against people, um, because it's too easy for us to be used against one another. It's Man. way too easy. That's I, that's why I think one of the themes are honestly when it comes to white supremacy or just the way things are designed out here. And honestly, I I think I'm still trying to work through my resentment for mm-hmm. the way two things: the fear mongering within it's the doodlebug. Yeah. And also the way I asked my my father one time, actually, I said, does it say anything in the Bible about loving yourself? Ooh. I, and he was not happy about that question. <laughs> yeah, they did that. that, that mm-hmm. You looking at mm-hmm. me? <laughs> like, you like, Don't you dare. You grown, girl. Where my belt? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that whole now. And, I, and in my mind, that's kind of where I kind of went to because I always would hear love thy neighbor as thyself but my dad would always say a quote your very best is filthy rags that's in the bible somewhere I'm not sure what book but just speaking on like how you're the sinner you're no good your your nature is to be evil and it's like our nature is to be both right our nature is right. both. It's not- it is full. Yes, <laughs> and that the narratives like that in that particular documentary I just mentioned, it really, really just I'm very, very passionate about this disconnect because I have a big mm-hmm. family, and most of them are religious, and most mm-hmm. of them clock out when they hear something that's anti or that they perceive as anti. Right those right. doctrinations within mm-hmm. and it's like oh, no, that's the devil be like it's not i'm talking about loving everybody and yourself how is that the devil what are, this what we doing now you know like in some of the healing like even with my mother like i you know i i've i've talked about meditation i've talked about deep breathing things like yeah. i'm suffers from um you know a mild version of alopecia like 
just things like the stress hormones, things that I've learned in terms yeah. of how our DNA is affected by these yeah, things. Yeah. Black women are so affected by the stress hormone cortisol. Listen. We don't understand how this Listen. affects our body and creates a breeding ground for disease and so many things. Yeah. Our culture needs us. And yeah, you know, it's 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 so crazy how we are seriously just set up to be ill. Yeah. And 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 mostly up here. Mm-hmm. Because up here will influence this. Exactly. It, it influences this. Go hand in hand. And, mm-hmm. and and then you you know, you turn to self medication and different things yeah. that just alter your perception of so many different things. And I just really, really I just you know, I, I want to cause I love your perspective and with the way you just answered that about, you know, how it's like cause I, I feel the same way. It's like if you're Muslim, if you're this, if you're that. The way you connect the source is the way you personally connect the source. The same way you right. have your individual fingerprints and you are right. who you are and you were designed to be the person you are. You're right. going to take your path and other people will take theirs. I respect that. Right. But when it comes to Christianity specifically, I feel that it disarms us in so many ways because of the way it's practiced across. Right. The now, the actual right. concept of Christianity, I'm not mad about that specifically right. now there right. are scriptures in the bible i take issue with but just like you said the, the narratives have been manipulated, manipulated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's hard because when i think about a book like the 48 laws of power and how like uh robert green talks about how you take the truth and you put the lie within it like a little sandwich little sandwich <laughs> and you just feed it to the people you're like yeah that sounds good don't it yeah that other part too right right because that is going to inspire the fear that's going to have you move the way i want you to move yeah Drop and the cr- fear the vibration of fear is the <laughs> man the opposite of what we're made from it is the, opposite. the, the direct opposite of what we're made from and if you can get me to move in an energy that's the direct opposite of what I'm made from. You can get me to do anything. Facts. You literally can get me to do anything. You can get me to believe anything. You can get me to go anywhere. And you can get me to forget who I am. That's a- and as long as I'm in this state of confusion, you can go off and whatever master plan you have. And, and it's... And it's, it's wickedness on a level that that's why I have so much respect for your group because coming from VA where there's such a melting pot here there is a of kind of a veil that and mm-hmm. you were using that term in, in one of the podcasts about how when you got to a point where a veil was lifted and there were more things you understood and yeah. that happened to me a few years ago where it was like i could see where i was in the yeah. context of our like almost like how the boondocks will illustrate these different personalities yeah community yeah kind of like identifying with where i was within the black community and it was just like why ain't this bottom bitch (laughs) (laughs) and i'm I'm just thinking to myself there's so many of us that don't understand where we sit to this whole chain this food chain and, and it's overwhelming. It is. Like I'm to to I re, I remember in 2004 beginning my journey 
because I was in a relationship that changed my life. Hmm. And I remember in 2006, crying quietly in the middle of the night because I knew that I reached a point in overturn. I had learned so much. I hadn't learned everything that I needed to know, but I learned so much that I would have to intentionally ignore everything that I see around me to stay the same. Listen, listen. (laughs) (laughs) To try to maintain a a softness as a woman and to make, Mm -hmm. we, we have masculine and feminine energy, some of us to varying degrees. But that's the part that bothers me because as you know, I'm not in a relationship right now, not in a committed relationship right now. I was for six years or almost six years um, with someone and that was eye opening for me. But to mm-hmm. understand that as a woman that wants to maintain my, you know, that that core of my inner child, that core of yeah honestly am yeah and all these things that was has been my spiritual warfare one aspect layer of it because on i've had oof man the (laughs) the anger lord (laughs) raising these kids and 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 them getting older and and me seeing the effects of certain things that were missing Mm -hmm. earlier Mm -hmm. didn't Honey, don't stop me to talk about the guilt of motherhood because that's a whole nother. Listen, listen. <laughs> that's a whole another two hour. Okay. This, and, and, it's, and, and layered on top of real subtle psychological abuse and relationships. Mm. Real subtle. Real subtle. Psychological abuse and relationships layered on top of us navigating sisterhood and trying to like really trying to figure out like how how do i how do i trust because if i don't like i'm worried about whether or not i trust myself like so how do i trust i'm a woman who look like like literally don't trust anything right right (laughs) So much. <laughs> Tell you who sent you? When is your birthday? November twentieth. I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> and I, when I tell you, I didn't realize how true to my Scorpio I was until after I really started to understand the healing process. I was like, Lord, just a little damaged soul, all oh, melancholy. <laughs> that that, may, that may, and that's my. So that's interesting. Um, Erica's daughter's birthday is November twentieth. Oh wow! November twentieth, people that Mm -hmm. in my lifetime, which I think is pretty dope. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My youngest birthday, her birthday is November twenty third. Oh, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna just real quick. um, Are you familiar at all with progressed astrology? I love talking to people about this. No, but thank you for bringing up the term so I can look more into it. (laughs) So, um, our natal chart. Is a like that's a snapshot of a moment the moment you were born that it's a snapshot of how and where the stars were in the sky but you know our universe is a living and moving thing and so things move and they do you know they are active and so for every year that you are 
you move one day from your, your calendar birth. And this is just for your sun sign. It's not for any of your other natal chart. So for example, when you turn three years old, your birthday is always going to be November 20th. But astrologically speaking, your birthday is now November 23rd. Mm. Because one day on the calendar is one year in the world. So if you do the math, so I'll use myself as, as an example. I'll be 48 this year. I was born August 9th, 48 days from August 9th to September 27th, mm. which means that I was born in the spirit of Leo. I operated for a good number, a, a long time as a Virgo mm. with Leo tendencies, and now I'm moving into Libra. Mm. So... I never lose the Leo, but it's interesting because before I found out about, about progressed astrology, I would say to people like, I don't know where my inner Leo went. Like, I feel like that, that thing that I had, like it's missing. <laughs> and then I started, I don't know what, oh, cause I had a friend that was a Virgo and I started looking at his care and I'm like, I, this, I feel like this, like, this is who I feel like. And so. when you were around three or four, you progressed to Sagittarius. Wow. And stayed in Sagittarius for about 27 years or so. Well, that would certainly explain a lot. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and then from Sagittarius, you, um, depending on how old you are, you will progress to Capricorn. Mm. I already feel like my inner child is a cat. You know who I feel like my inner child is? If I had to actually assign it to a person, it's a cartoon. Simon from Alvin and the Chipmunks. Really? I swear it's the inner child inside of me talk just like Simon from Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> like real sarcastic. Yeah. Like, so you really going to do that? So that's <laughs> so we doing right now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Do this all over again. Okay, fine. Fine. Just 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 remember I told you, right? Like all that whole sentiment. Yeah. And yeah. crazy because that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Wow. And your chart moves. So like your I feel like they said your moon sign changes like every two hours or something weird like that. Rising is supposed because the way I see it, just like from psychology, you have the id, which is your um your ego. Mm -hmm. You have the super ego, which is your rising. Mm -hmm. Rising sign. My rising sign is a Gemini, which is supposed to be really the guard of your inner child. Like what you present to the public. Yeah. Your person. There's a personality that you present to the public that is supposed to have that level of like those different traits. My inner my inner child is a Capricorn. Like I said, Simon from Alvin and the Chipmunks. Mm -hmm. My ego is a Scorpio. And, yeah, and, and so when I kind of when I when I correlated it to psychology and the classes I had in psychology, it yeah, made more sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I definitely can see Gemini with the communication and the radio and all it like that makes so much sense. Gemini energy is something I'm very familiar with. My dad is a Gemini. Lord help me. Okay, but and my and my oldest child is a Gemini. <laughs> Girl, I got I, I I done died a lot of grays. I, <laughs> <laughs> I 
black lot of grays over the years. <laughs> I think I've been growing gray since I was like 25 for real because I've been claiming that for like 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I think it's so dope when you can actually like make sense out because I know for me, right. I've always been the type of person where I wanted to know why people behave the way they right. behave. Right. Yes. I wanted to yes. have a good understanding of a person. Yes. When yeah. So just how I relate to them because I understand that you meet people where they at, and that's right. Yeah, and I, and, that's right. and I think to some extent I've had issues with a few people. Like you know, I mean, we you, when you live long enough, you have different stories. But right. Overall, I've always just embraced and loved people for who they are. Tried to. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I will give my parents that because it's like they definitely, you know, they 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 raised me to be somebody that that you know uh, respect people. And, yeah. and so I, you know, just looking at the different nuances, I started with the um, the Myers Briggs indicator. Okay, tells you about personalities as it relates to like career, people you right. along with, right. issues you have. Like, because I know for me, one thing it said about me was conflict and criticism is something that I have a big problem with. And as I healed, I realized that my toxicity was staying silent using the silent treatment as a weapon using um and not even realizing i'm being yeah. this manipulative spirit yeah get you to behave towards me yeah instead of saying this does not meet my standards right and no longer participate right having the fear of losing a person that you're not even quite sure should be in your life in the first place <laughs> oh i'll be clear i'll be clear Wait, you this ain't this ain't ordained. <laughs> this is not the Lord. Okay. When you realize, I remember I'm in Lord, I'm about to quote Mrs. Doubtfire. Sally Field on Mrs. Doubtfire said the truth was I did not like who I was when yeah. I was with him. And I yeah. remember having those issues where I and it really stemmed back to my first child father, like where I would find these, I just remember being this younger person with all these feelings like I wanted to embrace this person, but because of them acting towards me a certain mm -hmm. way, I was, I was conflicted and I mm -hmm. remember not knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. And now I have way more of a vested interest at this point with especially our babies and these young yeah. kids and how that, um, you know, and I, and I think I'm going to make that my last question before we start plugging a lot of your, uh, okay. the, where people can find more information and that sort of thing. But I definitely, um, I, I, I have a lot of interest in the way our babies are coming up in the angst that they have just mm, kids mm, in general, mm, how mm. you get them to understand the skill of speaking on what they need yeah speaking yeah where they are mentally and understanding yeah. that emotions pass every three minutes right biologically right teenagers have a, and i remember being like this thinking that something that happens is the end of the world there's yep. nothing that's going to happen after this besides yep. this terrible thing that happened can yeah. you tell me any do you, have you guys worked with any of the babies when it comes to this whole effort with the ceasefire because i know in dc ever since this gentrification thing really started to yeah. get a hold and dc looks totally different now yeah whole foods and such um yeah uh you know and 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 these babies are hurting 
yeah hurting a lot so yeah. have you done have you guys been doing work with the children's and the mm -hmm. and that sort of thing can you talk about that a little yeah. bit um we recruit ceasefire ambassador youth ambassadors um you can be as young as 12 to be a youth ambassador um several of our ceasefire ambassadors work directly with children so one woman is a teacher she works with <coughs> excuse me she works with second graders she gets them to paint rocks during the ceasefire weekends and they have conversations about violence and how violence is impacting them and um it is in alignment that you asked the question because erica told me the other day that she had an idea because cody is doing this work with children to have ceasefire babies oh so anybody who wants their baby to become an advocate for nonviolence, they'll, you know, it's not a formal training like, you know, like it is for adults, but we're going to develop a program because the children, people say, you know, children are the future, children are the present. They are the moment <laughs> that we are in right now. They are. And they experience, they're experiencing things that we never had to live with. Facts. Especially since you meant it. Yeah, it is a, um, it, there's a there's a level of exposure that is doing something to their brains that we won't know for probably 10 15 years down the line um so getting with them now um and and getting them to learn how to articulate their feelings and talk about how they're being impacted and speaking for their needs is going to be really important to us absolutely i i respect you guys so much like i can't Thank wait you. until i can actually make it up there because i'm in bumbleclap tumbleweed virginia <laughs> i had to move after i ended my relationship and i i'm glad i did it that way because the pandemic was literally happening yeah financially it just yep. made no sense for me to be with the tumbleweeds yep. and 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 yeah and them confederate flags yeah girl don't give me stuff honey <laughs> Can, yeah. Can you tell the people how to um, reach you um, yep. and get more information about the Baltimore ceasefire? Yeah. So in the community center, I'm sorry. Yeah. Baltimore. Um, if you Google Baltimore ceasefire, all of our everything will pop up. BaltimoreCeasefire.com. The community mediation center is communitymediation.org. So if you go to communitymediation.org. Um, you can learn all about the peace and mediation and conflict resolution work that we're doing. Um, and um, Googling Baltimore Ceasefire 365 specifically. Everything will happen. Okay. You're listening to It's the Doodle Bug Level Next Podcast.